Well, good morning, Rivertown Community Church. Hey, it's so good to have all of you at all of our campuses with us this morning as we are in our second week of a series we started last week entitled The Beginner's Guide to Predicting Your Future. And uh, the whole premise of this series is based on something known as the direction principle. In fact, last week we defined that for you by saying the direction principle is this. It is decisions, not intentions, determine direction. Literally, what we said last week as we started this conversation is the best way to predict your future is to pay attention to the decisions that you are making today because your, de your decisions, they are taking you in a direction. Because see, here's the thing you have to understand. Every decision you make puts you on a path, and every path has a predictable destination to that path. In fact, we said this last week. We said that your heavenly Father, he knows this principle is going to apply itself to you. It's like any principle that is, happens around you or that is going on all the time around you, like, for example, the principle of buoyancy. We talked a little bit about that last week. But there are certain principles that just apply themselves to your life, whether you apply them to your advantage or not. So what happens is, as God is kind of looking down and he's watching you and he watches you take, make bad decisions and they take you in wrong directions and, and you're going along and you got this big smile on your face and you're just happy and you're telling everybody, yeah, I know what God says, but I'm doing this and I'm happier than I've ever been. God looks down and it breaks his heart because he knows you're lost because you're going in the wrong direction. And in all reality, you don't even know you're lost. But it breaks his heart because he knows what's coming at you at the end of that path. Now, here's the thing. If you've ever gotten lost, and if you're my age or, you know, a little bit older than me, then you, you know what it's like to get lost because some of us were driving before there was like all the GPS and all, this, all these devices that we have now to help us. But here, here's the thing. There are some things that are true no matter who you are or what age you are, about being lost. I mean, think about this. There's several things. One is we don't get lost on purpose. Like nobody really does that. It's kind of difficult to get lost on purpose. The second thing is this. We're lost, and we talked about this last week. We're lost before we know we're lost. Like, if you knew the moment that you got lost when you're driving somewhere, you could just stop and you could turn around and you could immediately become unlost. But here's the thing. When you're lost, most of the time, you don't know you're lost until like well after you got lost. And that's why last week we said that that's why there is no quick fix or sudden solution for many of our personal problems because we went down a path and before we knew it, we were lost and we have to just literally turn around and go in a different direction to be able to deal with that problem. So there's not that quick fix or fix quick solution to most of our personal problems. And the third thing is this, and we just kind of put this in uh, for all of you ladies to help you understand men a little bit better, and that is this. Men go faster when they're lost. If you've ever been riding with a guy or with, you know, and, and he's lost, guess what he starts doing? He goes faster. Now, here's the thing. I can't explain why we do that. We just do that. You know, and, and it's like, it makes no sense, you know, because the, the lady's sitting over there going, would you just stop and ask somebody? And he just starts driving faster. Would you just stop and get some directions? I mean, this used to how to be, you know, would you st pull it up on the GPS? You know, would you do something? And he just keeps driving faster. Don't know why we do it, but we do it. Number four, and this is a big one. We wind up where the road we're on ends up. Now, here's the thing. 
That, that sounds like, you, you hear that and you go, oh, that just makes sense. We, we already kind of know that, just common sense. The reality is, it is. But you always wind up where the road you're on ends. It does. And, and it's not a respecter of persons. It's, it's true no matter what your age is, what your IQ is, what your gender is, what your marital status is, what your race, what your color, what your creed is. You always end up where the road you're on ends up. Now, here's why that's important. Last week, we said that's pretty obvious whenever you're driving somewhere. But here's the thing, and this is where it gets us. This is not so obvious when it comes to applying this principle to different areas of our life. See, it's just not as obvious when it comes to living. Because when we live in, in every day, it's like the whole thing about it this way. Just like the roads have like a predictable destination, like there's this predictable outcome when you choose a path or a road, the same thing is true for every area of your life. Now, you know that in some ways because it's why some of you have been able to predict the outcome of some of your friend's life, some of your family member's life. I mean, like you were able to look at them and you go, you're not going to have a good outcome if you keep taking that path. It's why even some of you have looked back on your own life and go, I can't believe I did that. I should have seen that coming. See, there is this direction principle that is always at work behind the scenes in your life that you cannot beat, that you cannot outmaneuver, that you cannot work around, and it's going to apply itself to your life no matter what you do. But here's something you need to understand. This principle is why you can predict things about your future. It said, it's why we're, our whole series is the beginner's guide to predicting your future, because you can look at the path and you know what the outcome is going to be. It's why you can look at it and say, oh, this is what's going to happen to my friends. This is what's going to happen to my family members. Because here's the thing you have to understand. Every decision you make, it moves you in a certain direction that ultimately leads to a very predictable destination. And folks, that is true for you financially. That is true for you spiritually. That is true for you relationally. That is true for you morally. That is true for your marriage. That is true for parenting. Now, what's interesting about this is in the culture which we live, it's not as easy to get like geographically lost, is it? I mean, it's like, if you think about it, there's so many things that, use it that, that we use for technology to kind of help keep us from getting lost. And even when you get lost, you know, it's kind of easy to use that technology to get unlost geographically. And in fact, nowadays, I mean, you could just tell your favorite online retailer because they seem to know where you're at all the time and they could just guide you back with their pop-up ads because it's like, you know, they, you want to allow, you know, they always allow you your location, right? But see, here's the thing, and we, we don't think about how big a deal that is to our personal lives because in our culture, it's not as easy to get lost geographically. But here's the reality. It's very easy in our culture to get lost financially, to get lost relationally, to get lost spiritually, to get lost morally, to get lost in our parenting and in our, in our marriage. It is so easy. In fact, one of the reasons we know we do that is because as a pastor, so many times we hear people say things like this, well, I can't believe that I ended up here. I, I don't know how this happened. And here's what I can tell you. The way you ended up where you're at is like you made a decision and it took you to a very predictable destination. 
Now, here's what happens whenever there's like conversation and counseling or with pastors like myself and, and somebody say, I didn't, I didn't, never intended for this to happen. There's just like this pushback going, I, I didn't mean for it to end this way or I didn't mean for my marriage to end, right? I didn't mean to get stuck in my, like my dead-end job or I didn't intend to like not have the grades that I needed to be able to get into that program. I didn't intend and that's how many times the conversation happens. I didn't intend. And so today what we're going to do is we want to focus on that idea. In fact, let's look back at our definition. Decisions, not intentions. And this is the word that we want to focus on today. Decisions, not intentions, determine direction. See, some of you, in fact, many of you, you have like all these good intentions about your future, don't you? I mean, they're like really good intentions. But here's the thing you know, you had some good intentions in your past that didn't come true in your present, and you have some good intentions right now. And you're concerned that those good intentions are not going to come true in your future. So why is it that our intentions, this whole intention thing, why is it that so many of them are not fulfilled? And here's why. Because the challenge is, there is often, don't miss this, there is often a disconnect between our intentions and our decisions. Don't miss that. The challenge is, is there's often a disconnect between our good intentions and the decisions that we make daily. In fact, let me just kind of give you some examples of how we disconnect our intentions from our decisions. And I'm going to go through quite a few examples here just to kind of get you to think about it so you personalize it because maybe you'll fit in one of these examples. Let's just say you're a young lady and you say to your friends like, hey, one day I want to marry this guy who has like strong character and values and, and I want him to be a Christ follower and I want him to have a strong faith and, and love family. But right now, I'm so desperate for a date, I'll go out with any guy that's cute. See, like, that's your disconnect. Or, or a dad says something like this, you know, I really, I really want my family to be strong, and, and I want to have a great relationship in my family, and I want us to love each other enough that when the kids are older and, and they don't have to hang out with us, that we love each other enough that we still want to hang out with each other, that there's a choice. They choose to hang out together. But you know what? Right now, I've got so much work, and I've got so much travel, and I've got to make us a living, and I've got to build us a financial foundation, so I'm not really going to have any time for the family. Right, there's your disconnect. Or, or somebody says, you know, I, I just can't wait till we have grandchildren. I, I want to be around for my grandchildren and, and just kind of help raise them and help point them in the right direction as well. But right now I'm going to eat whatever I want to eat. I'm going to drink whatever I want to drink. And I'm not going to exercise. And, and I'm going to keep smoking because it's just way too hard to quit. Let me just go and tell you, you're going to die. You're going to miss your grandchildren. See, there's your disconnect. I mean, and then that, that how it is? It's like we have all these intentions, but then we make the decisions about how we're going to live our life. Or how about this? Is maybe you're a couple and you're going, yeah, we want to be debt-free. Man, we have this intention of being debt-free where we can just like have no financial stress and, and we can be generous and we can help people out. But right now we can't live like that. 
because we can't live the lifestyle we want without going deeper into debt. And, and it would cut, hurt our lifestyle way too much to cut back. And, and I, I'm just saying, you know, we, we just can't be generous to other people because we don't have enough funds to do that. I mean, you're just asking way too much. See, there is your disconnect. Or how about this one? I, I hear guys doing this kind of conversation a lot, like, yeah, once I get married, then I'm going to honor my wife, but right now I'm not married, so there's no reason to act in honoring away with these girls that I'm dating, because after all, we're just dating, and this is just our dating season. Or like, I want to have a strong relationship with my spouse, and, and as soon as I get older, then I'll prioritize my relationship with my spouse. Once the kids move out of the house, see, we have all these disconnects. See, we have these intentions, but our daily decisions are disconnected from our intentions. Or how about this one? I, I hear this with parents all the time. They're like, yeah, we want to raise our children in church, and it's important to both of us that our children grow up with this strong faith and have these great values in their life, and, and we want them to have relationships with like other adults who are going to value faith and point them in the right direction, and we want them when they go off to college to really be involved in a church and, you know, have good godly friends and Here's the problem, though, like, we're so important. We got all these activities as a family, and, and we just don't have time to be involved in the church, and, and we, don't have be, we don't even have time to really attend church more than maybe once a month. Like, there's your disconnect. Or people saying, I want to have this strong relationship with God and be confident that he's going to be with me in the tough times. And, and I've seen that happen with other people, and it's just amazing when it happens. So, you know, when tough times hit, man, I'm going to get really serious about my relationship with God. I'm going to pay a lot of attention to my faith. You see the disconnect? See, intentions, please understand this. Intentions without the alignment of decisions— it will cause you to waste seasons of your life, and it will cause you to get lost in very important areas of your life, especially spiritually, without you even knowing that you're lost. And here's the thing. We don't want that for you, and you don't want that for you because you don't want that outcome. And most of all, your heavenly Father doesn't want that for you. So today what we want to do is we want to simply remind you that your direction— is determined by your decisions, not by your intentions. So you need to understand that your direction beats intentions every single time. And you know what happens when we start talking in conversations like this oftentimes? It's like people get really uncomfortable and kind of start feeling guilty because like, oh, that's me. I've got all these good intentions, but my decisions don't line up with my intentions. And then you sit there and go, how do they know? Like, are you, these people spying on us? Do they read our mail? Here's how we know that this is true for so many of us. Here's how. And that is this. You are unique. You absolutely are unique. God has created you. He's designed you with a purpose and a plan. But here's the thing we all have to understand. And that is this. You are unique. Your story is not. And your road is not. And we're going to show you that today. See, when it comes to your story, when it comes to my story, our story is just like everybody else. Everybody else has good intentions. But here's the reality. Here's what makes our story so much alike. Decision beats intention every single time because decisions move you in a direction. 
Don't miss this. Intentions never move you in a, in a direction. That's why your story and my story and everybody's story and everybody's road is not unique. Now, here's the thing. If there's ever a person in history who really understood this, who learned the hard way about the difference between intentions and decisions, it was a Jewish king by the name of King Solomon. In fact, about 2,900 years ago, God gave King Solomon this choice. He says, you ask for anything that you want, and I will give it to you. And I mean, that's pretty great when you think about that God comes to you and say, okay, you ask for anything you want, and I would give it to you. I mean, we would love for God to offer us whatever you want, right? So Solomon, he thinks about it, and he asks what we've been talking about these last week and this week, and that's this whole thing of wisdom. And, and he says, God, I want wisdom to be able to predict my future, the future of the kingdom. I want the ability to see how all of life is connected. And if you really stop and think about it, you go, wow, that's great, Solomon. That's, a, that's an amazing request. And what's even better than that is that God gave Solomon that kind of wisdom. I mean, he like made Solomon the wisest man in history, in fact. If you really ever read about or hear about Solomon, it's always most of the time is connected to something to do with his wisdom. But here's the catch. Solomon, who was like the wisest man who ever lived, what he did is he began at a period of his life to ignore that wisdom. Like there were seasons in his life where he saw what path he was on, he saw the direction that he was headed, and he made some terrible decisions because he chose to ignore the path that he was on. And because of those decisions— those decisions that did not line up with his intentions, there were some major consequences for his life, for his kingdom, for the people around him. And so at the end of Solomon's life, it's like he gathers all of his children, he gathers his subject, he gathers a group of younger people around him, and he tells them this. He says, listen, don't make the same mistake I did. And then he tells a story to help them understand the tension that we have to figure out how to manage when it comes to understanding that our good intentions never override our decisions. In fact, the story that he tells, it has two characters. One character is a naive young man, and a second character is a seductive married woman. Now, the point of the story is not that all women are seductive. We know that's not true. And the point of the story is not that all men are naive, although that may be true of us men. I can pick on us men, right? But here's the point of the story, and I say that to make the point of the story. Here's what Solomon's point of the story is. It is often what is intended as a diversion is actually a decision with a predictable direction and destination. Don't miss that. Often, this is the whole point of Solomon's story, often what is intended as, as a diversion is actually a decision with a predictable direction and destination. See, What's intended as a diversion, in our mind, it's just a one-time thing. In our mind, it's just a one night. It's just a weekend. I'm just having a little fun. I've earned this break. What we're going to discover from Solomon's story is it's not a diversion. It's not just a break. It is actually a decision, and it is a decision that is taking you to in a predictable direction with a predictable outcome and a destination. See, that is why intentions, don't miss this, it is why intentions are good for nothing. Decisions 
make the difference. Decisions beat intentions every time. In fact, here's how Solomon explains this idea in Proverbs chapter 7. Notice what he says. At the window of my house, I look down through the lattice. So Solomon is basically talking to this group of people that are listening to him that he's giving advice to. And he says, so I was doing some people watching one day and I was standing on the top of the palace and I'm looking down at the city and I'm just kind of watching people move around. So he's doing this people watching. He says, I saw among the simple, I noticed among the young men, a youth who had no sense. Now, another way of saying this last line, a youth who had no sense, would be basically saying a youth who had no judgment. When Solomon makes this statement that a youth had no sense, it's not like an insult, it's not like a criticism kind of thing, because the way that you get wisdom or good sense or common sense or judgment is through time and experience. And it's why so many times as you get older, all of a sudden you think, man, my parents were a lot smarter than I thought they were. Because suddenly suddenly you realize they had so much more wisdom than you realize. They had a greater understanding of life than what you realize because of their time and experience. Well, this young man, he hasn't lived long enough to have that kind of wisdom, that kind of judgment. And you know, and it's okay if you don't have that kind of judgment based on age. But here's the problem with this young man. He wasn't smart enough to listen to the people who did. In fact, here's how Solomon goes on. He was going down the street near her corner, walking in the direction of her house at twilight as the day was fading, as the dark of night set in. Now, here's what you can already tell. Solomon has one perspective of this, and this young man has another perspective of this situation. In fact, if Solomon was going to play a soundtrack, it would be one thing. If this man, young man had the soundtrack playing, it would be another thing. This young man, if it was playing the soundtrack, he was walking along in the direction of her house at twilight, and the romantic music kind of fades in as the day was fading, as the dark of night set in. Now, Solomon's soundtrack would sound more like this. He was walking along in the direction of her house at twilight, and now Jaws' music kick in as the day was fading, as the dark of night set in. There's a whole different perspective based on their wisdom, their judgment about life. In fact, Solomon goes on. He says, then out came a woman to meet him, dressed like a prostitute with crafty intent. Now, this young man wouldn't have said that. He'd have said, out came this woman and she was hot, okay? But Solomon goes, no, no, no. She came out like a pro- dressed like a prostitute with crafty intent. She's unruly and defiant. Her feet never stay at home. Now in the street, now in the square, at every corner she looks she took hold of him and kissed him and with a brazen face she said now I just want to tell you this next part is a little R-rated it's why we have Upstreet and Wombaland for elementary and and younger children so it's in the Bible this is why this is an adult environment for middle school and high school students so do not send me an email okay about I shouldn't be talking about things in this group with children in it but we create environments for children. We love your children that much. So she took hold of him with, uh, and kissed him with a brazen face and said, 
Here's what she said. This is crazy. Today I have fulfilled my vows and I have food from my fellowship offering at home. And this young man, his heart is starting to beat and he's going, oh, I can't resist this. You know, his heart's racing. And some of you are sitting here looking at that going, what does that mean? she's not talking like 21st century culture kind of language. Basically, what she's saying is to this young man, she's saying, listen, I'm not a bad woman. I can be your friend. In fact, I just got back from church, and, and while I was there, I like took care of my religious vows you're supposed to check off, and I even gave an offering to, and, and then I went to the priest, and I confessed my sin, and, and I emptied my sin bucket, so I'm like good with God, and I'm good with the church. And now that my sin bucket's emptied, I could use a little help filling my sin bucket again. Like, I wouldn't want to have nothing to take to the priest next weekend. So, young man, would you, like, be willing to help me fill my sin bucket? Right? She continues. So, I came out to meet you. Don't miss this right here. I came out to meet you. I looked for you and have found you. Now, this young man's thinking, I mean, his heart's like, you know, you were looking for me? Like, there's a lot of other guys walking up and down the street, and you were looking for just me? And the more he thinks about it, and the more his heart pounds, the more irrationally becomes his head, and he goes, yeah, you were looking for me. I'm pretty special. I'm one in a million and Solomon is looking down from the top of his palace going, oh, no, buddy, you're not one in a million. You're like one of a million. And you're about to figure it out. In fact, she continues, I have covered my bed with colored linens from Egypt. I have perfumed my bed with myrrh, alloys, and cinnamon. Come, here goes the music again. Come, let's drink deeply of love till morning. Let's enjoy ourselves with love. Now, the first part of this verse is, it just doesn't make any sense to us, but it was really big deal in that culture. Because see, they, they didn't have all the hygiene products or all the cleaning projects. They didn't have like a wash machine and a dryer and those kind of things. So they didn't have all the opportunities for cleanliness that we have. So everything smelled in that culture and it smelled really bad. And only the wealth, which apparently she was, based upon what I said in this first sentence here, two sentences here, only the wealthy people had colored linens and perfumes. So she's looking at this young man, and she's going, oh, I know your life is so hard. Like, you don't have all the luxuries I do, but you deserve a diversion. And I want to share them with you tonight. And come on in, young man, because I've been thinking about you, and man, I've got everything ready for you. It's going to smell good. It's going to feel good. It's going to be good. That's in the Bible. I didn't make that up. <laughs> and then it's like she reads his mind because she sees this little tweak of hesitation in his eye. And so she 
knows what his hesitation is because up until this point, she's seen no hesitation, but it's like there's this little twitch of, of hesitation. And so she answers his hesitation because it's almost like she read his mind. She says, don't worry. My husband is not at home. He has gone on a long journey. He took his purse filled with money, and I made sure of that so he'd stay away a long time and will not be home till full moon. So she's saying, you don't have to worry about a thing. I mean, I not only took care of the room, I took care of the environment, but guess what? I made sure the man was gone, and he's going to be gone for a long time. Like, I've been, you know, I've been working hard, and I deserve a diversion. You've been working hard, and you've had to do without your whole life. You deserve a diversion. So let's just have a little diversion and just have one fun night. Now, here's the problem with the message that she's sending. The problem with the message she's sending, and this, this message gets sent in 21st century culture all the time, and that is this. Nobody will ever know. It's just a diversion. Like, there's no consequences as long as we don't get caught because it's just a diversion. Think about it. We hear it all the time. Our culture tells us, oh, it's just, a, it's just a spring break week. It's just a weekend away. Yeah, I'm not living by my values. I'm not living in a God-honoring kind of way. I'm doing things I would never otherwise do, but it's just a diversion. And the, and the message is, is this, that you can do wrong things as a diversion and everything will turn out all right. Like we can take a wrong turn and we can go the wrong way and not end up in the wrong place. That's the message she's sending. And she's saying, and besides, like, we deserve a break today. And then Solomon, he just breaks into the story, and he's like, he breaks the story, and he starts talking very specifically to this group and, and starts addressing them. Notice what he says. With persuasive words, and we're going to talk more about this whole persuasiveness of shiny and seductive next week. With persuasive words, she led him astray. She seduced him with her smooth talk. Notice what happens now. All at once, he followed. It's no longer diversion. We made a decision. Now we've chosen a path. All at once, he followed her. And in this moment, this young man is thinking, oh, yeah, you bet I followed her. I mean, this is like a fantasy come true. And Solomon goes, oh, no, this is not a fantasy. This is not a fantasy come true. Here's what this is. Here's what Solomon says. Like an ox going to the slaughter, like a deer stepping into a noose till an arrow pierces his liver, like a bird darting into a snare, little knowing it will cost him his life. And maybe some of the people listening to that are going, Solomon, aren't you being a little overdramatic about this? Like, seriously, it can't be that bad. It's just a diversion. It's just a one-night stand. It's just a weekend. It's just a spring break. It's just a conference just for this time. I mean, like nothing worse than like having Grandpa Solomon go, hey, you better be aware. And some of us would hear somebody warn us about a diversion that we were taking and go, there's no way it's going to cost me my life. It's not going to cost me maybe just a little bit of time and money. Solomon is looking at this young man, listening to his story, and he looks at you, and he looks at me, and here's what he says. 
Now then, my sons, listen to me. Pay attention to what I say. Do not let your heart turn to her ways or stray into her paths. And we go, no, no, no. Wait a minute. This, this was just like one diversion, just one night. What, what does that have to do with ways or paths? And Solomon says it has a lot to do with ways and paths. In fact, he goes on. He says, many are the victims she has brought down. Her slain are a mighty throng. It's like Solomon saying, I told you, you're not one in a million. You're just like one of a million. Like, yeah, you're unique. God created you uniquely with a plan and a purpose, but your story is not. Every decision is going to lead to a destination. Your path is not. Every path you take is going to have a predictable outcome. Everyone. And then here's how he ends. Her house is a highway. And you go, no, 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 it's, it's not a highway, it's a house. He goes, no, no, no. Her house is a highway to the grave leading down to the chambers of death. Maybe this is where they got inspiration for highway to hell. But anyhow, it's a highway to death, he says. And we go, no, 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 it's a house. He goes, no, no, it's, it's, it's a highway. It's a decision. It's a road. It is going to take you somewhere. A predictable outcome. Now, here's the thing, and this is where this gets really personal and practical, and where we need to start looking at the application for our life. Some of you are entering into houses that are truly highways that are going to lead you to an end that you do not want to experience. Now, now you're, you're saying, oh, it's just a house. And, and we're not just talking when we say a house. We're, we're talking about you're entering into a house financially. You're entering into a house relationally. You're entering into a house morally. You're entering into a house spiritually that is not going to take you in the direction that God wants you to go in. That's going to be the best for you. And, and you won't admit it. Like, you are making decisions that are not taking you in a direction that you want to end up in. In fact, they are taking you in the opposite direction of your best intentions, of your good intentions. But you have decided, oh, I can outmaneuver this. It was just a distraction. I'm going to ignore that. In fact, what you're doing is you're acting like that decision was isolated and it's not going to take you anywhere. And to make it even worse, you have like people in your life who are telling you, hey, you're headed for trouble if you keep hanging out in that house, if you keep going in that direction financially, if you keep going in that direction spiritually or morally or in your marriage or in your parenting. And you're ignoring them. And you know what that means? It means you're being like the young man in the story. You're being naive. You're being foolish. Please understand this. Solomon is saying, listen, decisions not intentions, determine direction. And your friends know that. Those that have been warning you, that you've been ignoring, because see, they, they keep mentioning this. They keep writing notes. They keep wanting to take you to lunch and have conversations because they know the direction that you're headed in, it's not going to be good, and it's not going to be pretty when you get to the end of that road, and you're going to pay a price, and you're going to feel pain one day, and they know that you're ignoring it. And they know this, 
that we win or lose in life by the road we choose. And they don't want you to lose. And you don't want to admit that every house is a highway. It's a decision that puts you on a road and that you're headed in the wrong direction. So here's the big question that we all need to answer this morning, and that is this. Do your decisions line up with your intentions? Do do your daily decisions, do they line up with your intentions? Are the decisions that you're making right now financially, professionally, morally, spiritually, relationally, in your marriage, with your parenting, are those decisions moving you in the direction that you want to go, that you intend to go? And here's the thing you need to understand this morning. If your decisions are not lining up with your intentions, we want to challenge you to consider making a decision this morning. And it is a decision that Jesus has invited every one of you into. It's a decision that he invited you into when he came to this earth, he lived, he died on the cross to show his incredible love for you, and then he rose again. And then he says, I want you to follow me. And for many of you, the decision that Jesus is asking you to make this morning is the decision to repent. And some of you are going, oh, what does this mean? Like, you're trying to guilt me into something? No, 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 no. Let me help you understand what this word repent means. This word repent, it means just to change your direction. That's what it means. It means to stop going in the way that you're going and to say, God, I understand. I'm not going to ignore the signs anymore. I'm not going to ignore your word anymore. I'm not going to ignore the people speaking in my life anymore, but I'm going to turn in a 180-degree different direction, and I'm going to go a different way, and I'm going to follow you. I'm going to go a better way. See, Jesus invites you to follow him. He wants to lead you in a better direction that will lead you to a much better destination. See, you know how you intend for things to work out. You have all these good intentions. But here's the thing. It will not happen. Those good intentions will not happen if you keep heading in the wrong direction, if you keep violating the direction principle. And so the big question becomes this morning, will you change? Will you repent? And don't walk out like so many people do in church world. They walk out and go, man, that nailed me. That was so hard. That that convicted me. He stepped on my toes. Listen, listen. And then they don't do anything about it. The difference is not in the knowing. The difference is in the doing. It's making decisions that take you to a predetermined outcome. So the question becomes this morning, will you repent? Will you make a U-turn with your life? Will you change direction? Will you make your decisions line up with your intentions? Now, here's the thing. Everybody's not going to understand. I mean, your friends who choose not to do this are not going to like you going in a different direction, and and they most likely will not get it. You're soon to be ex-boyfriend or your ex-girlfriend or ex-fiance because you're going to make different decisions. I mean, they may get really, really angry at you because you're choosing to do life differently. Like, you may have to sell things. You may have to change your lifestyle. I mean, like, you may have to cancel things. You may have to say no to some things. You may have to quit hanging out in certain places. But here's the thing. Once you know this principle, once you understand this, you are foolish not to change 
your direction. So this morning, ask yourself this question. What highway am I headed down? Be real honest. Because every choice you make has a predetermined outcome. And if you don't like where that's going to go, will you decide today to repent? To say, God, I'm going to change my direction. And some of you are saying, I mean, I want that so bad, but I've struggled with this. I've tried. I've done this repentance thing, but the problem is, is I can't stick with it. I, I get distracted by all the seductive and the shiny things out there. And I would just tell you, don't miss next week because we're going to talk about how together we can overcome that. But here's the thing we want you to understand, and that is this. You are very unique, but your story and your path is not unique. Because just like everybody else, your decisions, not your intentions, are going to determine your direction and the outcome of your life. So will you choose today to say, God, I'm going to repent. I'm going to repent. I'm going to change my direction. And you'll be glad you did. Will you bow your heads with me in prayer? Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you, Jesus, that you love us so much that not only did you come and live and die and rise again to pay the price for our sin, but God, throughout time, you have spoken to us. And God, you've spoken through us in so many, through so many different voices. And today, uh, we listen to what Solomon had to say. And God, I pray that you help us to hear that as a conversation of love for us. So much love that it leads us to repentance. God, for those who are Christ followers here today and they've been ignoring your direction for a certain areas of their life, may today be the day they say, Jesus, I'm, I'm sorry that I've gone my own way in this, this area, or maybe it's a couple areas. And I ask you to come in and just again forgive me, God. I, I repent. I repent of my sin against you and others that my direction might have affected. And I choose today to change directions. I'm going to follow you. God, for those who might be listening this morning that have never made the decision to follow you in every area of their life, and if that's you, will you just pray this in your heart? Say, God, today I'm choosing to follow you. I'm tired of the train wrecks. I'm, I'm tired of just wasting so many seasons of my life. From this day on, I'm going to be honest that every decision, it truly is a determiner of the outcome. It has a predictable destination. So Jesus, I'm going to follow you. So I ask you to forgive me of all my sins, come into my life, be my Lord and my Savior. And I'm just going to keep coming back and I'm going to learn what it means to be a true Christ follower. God, I thank you. I thank you that you love us, love us enough to lead us, to lead us to good outcomes. We're going to follow you in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thanks everyone for being with us today. We'll see you next Sunday. Have a great week.